as a marketer, you're going to want to show off your marketing expertise and skills. So you could try and do like tutorials. So you could do like how to videos, like people like to learn on LinkedIn. They're really there for learning. So do one thing at a time. This is Chan with the Plan the Podcast, a podcast providing career advice and easy actual steps for frustrated professionals, helping you overcome career challenges so you stop feeling confused and defeated and start feeling focused and confident in order to excel in your career. I'm your host, Max Chan. Now let's dive into the episode. Hey, Jessica, welcome to the show. Thanks, Max. Thanks for having me. How's your summer so far? Summer is good, doing lots of hiking around, biking by the lake, just really enjoying living by the lake downtown. So whereabouts are you? Because obviously you're in Toronto, and I'll get to why I know you're in Toronto in a second, but uh, whereabouts in Toronto are you? I'm in Etobicoke area. What about you? Let's talk about, oh, Etobicoke, like you said Lakeshore area in Etobicoke. Yeah, yeah, by the lake, yeah. Nice. And like, do you do a lot of exercising like outdoors during, because that is a nice area, right? Absolutely. Like daily walks on lunch, daily walks after work, biking, walking, rollerblading, sometimes paddle sports. I love it. As we're both Canadians, we know that the summer doesn't last that long in this country, right? So you want to take advantage of it for the few months we do have some nice weather. It doesn't. Do you like to get out? Yeah, I do like hiking on occasion. And then like for you, just being able to like go outside and like walk about, like explore the uh, mm-hmm. my area is definitely good. Instead of always having to go to the gym to do your exercise, you can always mm-hmm. like, walk and uh, exercise that way, uh, especially in the summer months when you aren't worried about the uh, dreaded winters that Canada is known for. I know. I also like to go for gelato because there's some good shops. Oh, yeah. I'm a big fan of gelato too. Wait, you're in Tobacco, right? So like, do you go to Tom's Dairy Freeze? Of course. Yeah, my friend knows the owner or the operator there. So. Oh, no way. That's yeah. awesome. That yeah, place, it's, it's definitely a small world. Like, we're so close. That place that. minimum has like a lineup around the corner. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, like, it's definitely no spot, as you know. So the reason why I know that you're in Toronto is there was this organization that posted the top 15 LinkedIn experts in Toronto. And then I was just going through a list and I saw your name, right? Uh, mm-hmm. And I thought, hey, maybe it'd be good to have another LinkedIn expert in the area share her LinkedIn strategies on how she helps her clients improve their brand presence online, whether it's to generate more job opportunities or contract work or business partnerships, whatever the mm-hmm. goal may be for your clients. So I thought by bringing you on, you can share some of your insights. So you guys, yes, I am a career coach and I help people with LinkedIn optimization as well as resumes. But I think like there's always different ways to skin a cat and LinkedIn is mm-hmm. a platform where there's multiple ways to use it to get the results you want. So I thought Jessica, by bringing you on, you can share some of the insights that is in demand mm-hmm. or that people need to hear in terms of improving their presence on LinkedIn. Before mm-hmm. we dive into that, why don't you introduce yourself to my audience in regards to like how you get started in LinkedIn branding and content marketing? Okay, perfect. Thanks for having me, Max. And also congrats for being on top 15 LinkedIn as well in Toronto. Okay, so basically I started my agency got writer's block, partly because I noticed that I'm really into targeted communication. And really, if you're in health and wellness, I think you should have writers in health and wellness helping you. I think you should have writers in technology helping you. Now, one of the ways that I started getting clients was LinkedIn, because basically I would get job offers that I couldn't fulfill because I was busy. And then I started passing them off to my writers. 
And then I was like, hey, like if people are sending me messages, I could definitely send people messages too. However, I don't like the spammy approach of messaging people. I like to use content to attract leads and relationships inbound. So then I started using my marketing skills. I come from like an agency and communication background. I used to manage a lot of content for SEO teams. And basically I decided, okay, I know I need to put out targeted content The people I want to attract are like marketers, people in health and wellness, and also entrepreneurs. So I started putting out content like that, but you cannot just put out content because you get crickets. Half of the strategy that's missed on LinkedIn is actually the engagement part. So then what I would do is kind of, I know not everyone may use this, but I use Sales Navigator and I would create a list. Okay, what are like 50 agencies in Toronto I wanna go after or partner with? I would make a list in an Excel sheet. And then what I would do is just have targeted times of the day. Okay, from nine to 9.30, I'm gonna message this part of the list. Now, Wednesday, I'm gonna message this part. Friday, I'm gonna message this part. It's only like 30 minutes a day, but it's a way to use a targeted approach to connect with people you wanna connect with on LinkedIn versus just randomly adding people and randomly connecting with people. And I don't necessarily add them first. I would comment on their stuff and then they want to comment on your stuff. And then you just start a connection and you start talking on posts and then that can turn into DMs. That's some good insights that you share, Jessica. And how long have you been in the LinkedIn space providing this valuable service? Mm. Yeah, so I've been in the LinkedIn space for three years. It really started with postings, just helping people with their content posts. And then as new tools came out, I would grow my offering. So we started offering like LinkedIn live service because it's very underutilized. I think like 1% use it. Same as Facebook and Instagram live. But when you go live, you can ping your whole audience. You can have a show. You can bring people on their show, basically like a podcast. And then they have content to share. You can share learnings with your audience. So we started offering that and that got really popular. So I think half of the battle with LinkedIn is just figuring out how to use all the tools, like newsletter as well, also very underutilized, and I really like it as well. Yeah, the newsletter portion is a big, it's getting really popular. A lot of LinkedIn content creators are trying to build up their newsletter list. So what they're doing is they're trying to leverage the followers that they have already, and then try to convert them into newsletter subscribers. So then they're always in their inbox. So that's the trend Mm -hmm. I'm seeing on LinkedIn. Mm-hmm. And you mean not using the LinkedIn newsletter, you mean using their own email, right? No, the LinkedIn newsletter. That's what you mean. Oh, yeah, right? yeah, yeah. yeah. You're trying to convert their followers into LinkedIn newsletter subscribers. Mm-hmm. And it's not the hardest because the thing with the newsletter is that it pings every single content. When you post, only the people that follow you get a notification. But when you do the newsletter, every single person gets a ping. Yeah, which makes it a lot easier for people to see your content. Because I've always heard people say to me, or a lot of content creators say that some of their followers are not seeing their content anymore because it's just like organic views, right? And they're not always seeing their content. But for, as you mentioned, by you doing a newsletter on LinkedIn, you're always going to get pinged when they post something. So in a way, it's like daily posts. I think that's too excessive. But if you do like a weekly LinkedIn newsletter, that means you'll always Mm -hmm. be top of mind on a regular basis compared to trusting that the LinkedIn organic algorithm is going to show your content to your followers on a consistent basis. Mm -hmm. And you could always do like you could link to posts within your article. So then there's further depth for them to check out your profile. 
Yeah, exactly. And I've had previous professionals, experts in the LinkedIn space in terms of optimizing their profile. So I do for our discussion, Jessica, is to niche down a bit. And I want to focus our discussion on helping marketers truly mm-hmm. leverage the LinkedIn platform, whether it's an employee that's trying to get promoted or trying to get a new lucrative opportunity, whether it's someone that's trying to start a side hustle so that they're a full-time marketer, but they want to do some contracts on the side. Or mm-hmm. another avenue is like for you using Sales Navigator is that they are trying to start off building their own like client base and mm-hmm. Sales Navigator could be a good tool. Uh, but before we dive deeper into like more advanced tools and features on the LinkedIn platform. The main purpose of the platform is to have a robust, optimized profile to mm-hmm. get you more visibility towards your target audience. And then also for you to reach out to people so then when you do see your profile, it basically entices them to want to respond back mm-hmm. to your messages. Let's start off with that. In terms of the LinkedIn profile, the foundational piece in terms of optimizing it, Let's just go through the main section. So working with your clients in the marketing space, what do you recommend in terms of having a good, catchy headline? So you want to have a mix of keywords that recruiters will search or your target audience will search. So like marketer, obviously marketing specialist, but maybe you're, you niche down. Maybe you want to say email marketing. Maybe you want to say conversion copywriting. Don't be afraid to niche and put those keywords in. Maybe brand specialist, maybe storytelling. Be specific in what you put because those relate to the job offers you want or potentially the clients that are looking for you, what they're looking for. So those keywords. But then you can also kind of do a tagline with the keywords. A simple way is to be like, I help blank, do blank. That's a very simple one. Or you could kind of make it more like a catchy slogan, like leverage leveraging your clients to increase sales in LinkedIn, you can really play around with the headline. Just make sure it's a little bit catchy as well as has the SEO element of the keywords because LinkedIn is a search engine. So that's the headline. Okay, let's go to the next spot. So the the about about section. Yep, the about section. Yeah, the about. We're going to go to the about now. Okay, so the about, don't make it too long. Basically, it's your career story. So you can tell them basically the highlights how you got to where you are, why you're passionate. You want to add like a human element to it as well. You want to add in like your highlights, how you can help companies, basically your skills. And HR really loves hearing like wins, but also like tangible scenarios. Like I helped company grow X by X, or I helped them increase like this many followers or if it's email marketing, I help them grow their email list to this big and they have this many opens per month. If you can put specific stories that can really help you land positions because it relates to exactly what you want to do. And then the other thing is you can also work backwards. You can look at job postings or even freelance postings that you want. Look at the lines of the job responsibilities and you could put some of those in your about section. If they relate, obviously reword them a bit. But if recruiters are looking for those keywords or their HR software is scanning, it will pull them up. What are some common mistakes when it comes to the about section? Like I've seen a lot. Like some will write it in third person, some like just a quick paragraph. What they would do is they would take the summary section of the resume and just paste it on. But mm-hmm. the great thing about LinkedIn for the about section is you have, I think it's now 2,600 characters. So you have a lot mm-hmm. of room to play with, right? So to simplify for my audience, what would be like 
a good structure in paragraph format in terms of like what to say in paragraph one, two, three, to tell the person looking at your profile a good cohesive story of what you've done in your career? Sure. So the top line can be some kind of headline that kind of draws them in. It could be a mix of personal and business. Then you want to start off, doesn't really matter the order, but basically like how you help, any stats or any wins, and then kind of like specialties. You can just list those out because those specialties are those keywords. And then you always want to have like a contact section of how to get in touch with you. One of the biggest mistakes I would say is just having no contact section because when they want to get in touch with you, make it easy. Just my main goal, it doesn't have to have a specific format. It just needs to be scannable. And once they're done, they go, okay, I know what Jessica does. This fits. I want to message her. So basically, how do I help? What do I do? What is the value add and how to connect? And now let's move on to the most crucial aspect of any LinkedIn profile is the work experience section. And we touched upon this offline about having like the proper keywords, because as you said, LinkedIn is a search engine to find professionals that fulfill a need for these recruiters or these business owners that need some additional help, specifically Mm -hmm. in the marketing side based off our discussion today. So what is your recommendation in terms of having a good optimized work experience section to generate visibility and interest on your profile? So you can definitely copy and paste bullets from your resume. I'm not against that, (laughs) but I don't know your thoughts on that. But anyways, I just really think that you need to look at the job descriptions and then you want to make sure that if there's specific things that they say, like knows how to use X software or knows how to uh, audit an email campaign, that you have those in your work experience if you've done it before. So I really like kind of going backwards. Yes, using existing bullets from the resume, but then also searching existing posts like marketing specialist or content specialist, finding those bullets and making sure that they're in at least one or two of my past experiences. Yeah, and to add to your point about like, what's my opinion on taking your (laughs) resume bullet points and putting them in LinkedIn? Like I have no problem with that either. Because in my opinion for the LinkedIn, right? Recruiters don't have your resume and... They don't. Yeah. You want to have a mix of like, it is a LinkedIn profile, but it's also a resume hybrid. So Mm -hmm. again, like recruiters look at bullet points all the time on the resume, right? So if you have bullet points that follow that resume format, they are trained to like look at bullet points that way. So I have no problem like copying, pasting resume Mm -hmm. bullet points onto your LinkedIn profile. Maybe you have to add in some additional keywords just to exactly uh, visible yeah. but the overall yeah. structure of your bullet points on your resume is perfectly fine to like paste it on your linkedin profile yeah so like okay. again you don't have to reinvent the wheel you don't have, need to have like different bullet points for your linkedin profile no. different bullet points for your resume because like if you're showcasing an accomplishment on your resume then you can show the same accomplishment mm-hmm. on linkedin and then the last crucial section of the profile is the skill section you can have up to 50 skills uh, mm-hmm. so how do professionals find the right keywords to add into the skill section so they're optimized and improve their visibility in search results. Again, I go to the job posting and I look at different skills they have, like analytical, maybe storytelling, basically look in the job responsibilities part and kind of look at different posts. Like maybe it's graphic design, maybe it's a specific software, maybe it's in design. Just look at each one and see which words keep repeating and then you want those to be in there. Maybe it's communication skills, project management. Basically use what LinkedIn is giving you and put those on the profile. 
Well, there's some additional features in the LinkedIn profile sections that people may not be aware of that you should be leveraging to help you stand out when it comes mm-hmm. to a sea of these professionals in the same field as you. Sure. So in the featured section, you can add your portfolio links. So say you're a graphic designer, you could link to your graphic design portfolio. You could put up different case studies showing results that you've gotten for different marketing campaigns. You can put up multiple of them. So I would definitely suggest uploading different portfolio pieces and case studies to highlight yourself. All right. Is there any other sections on the LinkedIn profile that people should know as well? Or uh, you should definitely it. have some, you should have a banner for sure. You can make yourself stand out and then definitely have a picture. Yeah, the profile picture is like, yeah. Oh, speaking of which, I don't know if you got this email, but LinkedIn is taking down the profile video. So they tried this profile video for about like a year and a half. But then right. recently, a couple of weeks ago, they got rid- They said like, just due to user feedback, we realized that the profile video is not really the best option to showcase your brand and your professionalism. So we're going to remove it. But I did hear that if you did record one, you can still keep it. But once you delete it, you can't get it back. So Oh, I- do you have one? Yeah, I have one. Like I recorded one like within a month of it being released because I thought like the extra the video is an extra touch. Yeah. So that's what I did. Again, I'm not sure when they're removing it. I think it's fairly soon, but I like my profile video the way it is. So I'm never going to take it off, especially since- So just like, never I- delete it. Yeah. yeah. Since, I- since I can never get it back, right? Because once you take it off, you can't put a new one on once they remove the feature. Uh, obviously, they'll come to a certain point where I'm going to look a lot older. So it's not going to be congruent, <laughs> but yeah. I'll worry about that when the time comes. But what's your thoughts on th- that profile video? Do you think- I'm actually you- curious. Yeah. Do you think it boosted your conversions? That I'm or not boosted, sure. like, like people talking to you? I think everything adds a little touch to it. Like for my feature section on my LinkedIn profile, I have my podcast, which you're on right now. Yeah. And that has generated me some additional credibility that 100%. swayed the decision maker to go with me over somebody else. Because mm-hmm. when you have like, let's say five career coaches on LinkedIn, mm-hmm. one of them has a podcast and the others just have a regular LinkedIn profile. Mm-hmm. That really helps you stand out because you're putting in that extra effort to educate your target audience. So mm-hmm. I think like the feature section really helps. In terms of the video, as I said earlier, I think different aspects of the profile help in different ways. There was the mm-hmm. uh, name pronunciation feature that where you have- That was really popular. Yeah. Like if you have a difficult name, like people would use it, but some even use it as like a quick 10 second intro of yourself, right? So some are using yeah, yeah, it as yeah. like a marketing play. Yeah. In my opinion, I think the video does help, but- I think for like job seekers, they're not really comfortable on video, just from my experience. Yeah, because like they'll get like video interview requests and they feel nervous because they have to record their answers and not talking to a person. I get the reason why LinkedIn wants to remove it because no one's really using it as effectively. I guess through studies that is not as effective as they want. So they'd rather remove it and then maybe add a different feature down the road. I don't know if you recall, but they did LinkedIn stories a while back, like a couple of years yeah. ago. Yeah, they so. were kind of fun. I didn't hate them. <laughs> Yeah, like they're trying to copy like Instagram. and They're Yeah, I think their focus now is kind of like the newsletter. They're definitely pushing video. It's interesting though that they took it away. To be honest, I never did one. Maybe I'm part of the stat. (laughs) Which I want to uh, talk to you about in regards to personal content and professional content. In my opinion, the reason why LinkedIn stories failed is that people are not going to show their personal lives on the professional platform, right? Uh, And then when they do show us some of their personal lives, 
you get these comments saying this isn't Facebook, right? Like that. This isn't uh, Facebook. Yeah, that's the only comment, right? So, what's your opinion in terms of like for someone who's trying to be a thought leader on LinkedIn? And we'll talk about like published content in a second. Like, what's your opinion of like adding that personal touch to your profile, like sharing stories with your obvious family, hobbies, etc.? Do you think that's a good way to use the platform, or do you think it's more about like sharing expertise to get the results you want? So I think it's really come down to a mix because if you look at posts that use personal branding and kind of sharing your own, your own personal life, people feel that they can get to know you and you like humanize the brand. And if you look at posts with those, like they'll have tons of engagement and tons of impressions. So I would say that LinkedIn really likes those types of posts. I think it just depends who's in your community. Like people love to talk about their kids, but maybe in a way that like I do my job, my kids inspire me. Like you can connect the two, or like I'm a woman entrepreneur and I'm teaching my daughter that like women can lead the way. Like kind of mixing in two. I personally probably like doing like seventy percent more professional and expertise content, and thirty percent more personal. That's just me. But you can mix in the element of like metaphors of like how to do X, but like maybe you're cooking in the kitchen. So it's kind of like personal, but then it can relate to work. And then you also can't forget that LinkedIn really, the algorithm likes pictures like of you. <laughs> so if you want to play the algorithm game, like and you post a selfie of yourself or a picture, you're going to get more impressions. So I think it's just like a balance, and it does depend who is in your audience and who you're going after. There's an ongoing joke on LinkedIn where people post a, a selfie that has nothing to do with what they wrote. Nothing. Yeah, like people, <laughs> some people are getting annoyed by that. Where like they post some random selfie and then they talk about something completely different about what the selfie's about. But they probably got twenty thousand impressions because yeah, probably the exactly. Yeah. Loves it. <laughs> Again, whatever you do to appease uh, the algorithm, right? Because like. For me, in terms of like a trend, carousels is a big thing on LinkedIn right now, yes. as you're aware. Like, I think it was last week I had a carousel post about job search burnout, and it got eighty thousand views. And I haven't gotten that many views in a while, right? It was a carousel post, so it's pretty hot right now. And then before that, polls were pretty big. I don't see them as much anymore, but a lot of people were abusing the polls to get views. Yeah, uh, so there's a lot of trends in terms of content. But yeah. In regards to that, if someone wants to be more proactive with their LinkedIn strategy, we discussed in a good amount of our time together about improving your LinkedIn visibility by optimization through those sections. But、mm-hmm. if someone wants to take a more proactive approach, I know there's a couple of ways, but let's start off with、mm-hmm. the、uh, thought leadership aspect of it.、Mm-hmm. Content. What do you recommend in terms of creating a content strategy to position yourself as a thought leader? Okay, so first and foremost, as a marketer, you're going to want to show off your marketing expertise and skills. So you could try and do like tutorials. So you could do like how-to videos. Like, it's good to have videos or posts about one thing at a time because people have short attention span. So say you do a video like how I use Mailchimp to create my campaign this month and get this many leads. People like to learn on LinkedIn. They're really there for learning. So do one thing at a time. And then carousels. Of course, you're talking about carousels. They're very popular. Carousels are really good for, again, educational. Like you could do like ten tips for X, ten tips to boost conversions in email marketing. And then when they get to the end, it could be a call to action to learn more or to 
even reach out to you. You don't want to forget about the call to action part. But the thing with thought leadership is you want to show that you're an authority. So you want to show examples of you doing things. You also can show your expertise by leaning on other brands. Like we did one last week where we went through our inboxes in the promo tab and we pulled out all these different emails with reminder emails from like physio, from insurance. And it's just like these people are capitalizing on you forgetting. But why aren't you sending those emails out? This person's agency fee is going to end at the end of the month. Why aren't you sending them an email showing how great you are, how many case studies you have to bring them back in? And then I think the last thing with thought leadership is actually bringing in other leaders and having kind of discussions like this. Like thought leadership is not just about, oh, I did a case study. I'm great at marketing. It's about talking about the trends and how you're using them and then talking to other people and like seeing other ideas and opinions. Yeah. So go back to what I was saying in regards to the collaboration aspect of like having you on my podcast. Yes, we're both in the LinkedIn space, but people just keep on hearing what I say. It's, it's going to start getting repetitive. But then if you mm-hmm. like bring someone on, such as yourself, you may have a different perspective on how you should leverage LinkedIn, or you may be more in tune with like various trends in your industry when it comes mm-hmm. to using those to stay on the market on LinkedIn. So by you collaborating with other people in your industry, in your field, you'll get new content and new perspectives to maintain your engagement with your audience. And then also from like a lead perspective, the more people you collaborate with, like I collaborate with the graphic designer and then we'll make a joint package on email marketing, for instance, like we'll do the writing and they'll do the graphics, but I wouldn't have found these people unless I collaborated with them or talked with them outside of just the posts and went into their DMs. So it can be really good for work and partnerships too, your thought leadership. So there's the creating content on LinkedIn. But again, like if everybody created content, but they didn't comment on people's content and collaborate, everybody would be siloed, right? So the next mm-hmm. thing I want to talk about is the commenting aspect of things where you create comments and insights based off other people's posts. So what's your strategy behind that when it comes to like marketing mm-hmm. generating opportunities? So first of all, what I do is... 15 minutes before we post, we do comments and then 15 minutes after. It's not just me. I have a team as well that helps with social media. But basically, I have a targeted list of like what I was saying. So basically, we'll go through the home feed because those are a lot of the people that are in our community and talk to us on a regular basis. We'll comment on marketing people's posts because we collaborate with marketing people and we comment on each other's posts, help each other's algorithm. But then I also have a targeted list of people in the healthcare industry who I'm trying to further connect with and build relationships with. So then we'll use that list from Sales Navigator and manually go to their profile outside of the home page, comment on their posts. So then hopefully we trigger some engagement and they want to comment on our posts and things like that. So and some then, is homepage and some is manual. So okay, so basically whatever you see on the feed that's interests you in terms of like if they are speaking to you, your target audience, you can comment on their stuff as well. And then you also search for content as well that's in your niche, right? And then also sometimes we use hashtags. So we'll just like hashtag healthcare and we'll find new accounts to comment on hashtag content marketing, hashtag e-commerce, and we'll find new people. So if you go on the search bar at the top of LinkedIn, you can do like hashtags. And that's one of the ways that we find new content too. You talked about Sales Navigator. So we talked about 
Improving your visibility on LinkedIn through like optimization. We talked about mm-hmm. a thought leader, creating content, collaboration through comments. The next aspect of it is networking. Some people who are more aggressive in trying to pursue opportunities may use Sales Navigator. Some might just want to network and build connections. For example, if you're a marketer looking for a job, uh, you have a target list of people at the company you want to reach out to. Uh, mm-hmm. So let's break this discussion down into two parts. So the first part is for someone who doesn't have Sales Navigator, What's your thought process on outreaching in terms of finding the right people to outreach and then what messages to outreach them with? Yeah, so that's fine. So you can go on the search bar, you could search a company and then you could search like marketing director or like head of marketing and you could try to communicate with them. So that's directly through the search bar. You could also comment on their posts. If you go to the company page as well, I don't know how far you can get, but you can definitely see who's employed there. So that's super simple. You don't need any extra credentials. And then as well, to add someone and just put a connection request like, hey, I'm expanding my network of marketing professionals. I would love to be connected. A lot of people are open to connecting, especially if you're both in marketing. You could just send a connection request like that with a note. I personally like to send a note. I know there's been studies that show that if you just send blank connection requests, people will accept. But I actually like receiving a note. I personally like receiving a note. So I don't know. That is my thought. (laughs) I like it to be personal. My thought process is just spending an extra few minutes to personalize the connection request. I think does help. Like it, it does compound over time, right? Yes, yeah. there will be people that will accept regardless if you write one or not. But again, you only got one shot at sending the request. I might as well take a few minutes to like craft a personal message and then reach that way. Yeah, and like show that you actually looked at their profile because they get so many spammy messages a day. If you just show a little bit of effort, like I love that your company did X campaign. Yeah. They'll be like, oh, okay, that's great. Like I would love to talk to someone that actually knows what I'm doing versus selling me something. Yeah. So speaking of selling, right? Like I get, you probably get a lot of DMs too, where people are selling you a lot of stuff, right? Yes. Oh, I can get you like a hundred X leads in a month or virtual assistants. I get a lot of those. So obviously you do not want to sell right away when you mm-hmm. DM people or even like, it goes back to being impatient, right? So we're talking about all these strategies, but it is a long-term game that you have to build the relationship. You can't like go to a person, comment on a couple of his posts and then outreach like five days later for a sales pitch, right? So how do you like organically build up that relationship? So when you do ask, it's not like, oh, okay, this guy was just trying to sell me something. It's really about nurturing, continue the conversation. If you have shared interests, it becomes super easy because usually maybe you'll bond about like traveling. Oh, I love to go to Portugal, blah, 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 blah. Talk about that. Sometimes how I've gotten conversations too, it's just asking more and more about like where they're trying to go, what are their challenges they're trying to overcome. And sometimes their challenges are exactly what you're offering. And then you're like, oh, let's just set up a call to discuss. It's like no, no strings attached. Let's just set up a call. Sometimes I'll set up calls and be like, okay, let's go over your email campaign. Let's brainstorm an idea. I just do like brainstorming calls and then they can decide what they want to do. It's not like very high pressure. It's just to learn more about each other and brainstorm ideas. And then at the end, if they want to learn about opportunities, we can talk about sales. Now let's go to the next part of the conversation of the sales navigator. What's the difference between just outreaching like regularly and then using sales navigator? Okay, so sales navigator, you can go quicker, but I also like to nurture them sometimes through content as well too like go and like their posts, go and comment on them, then add them later. 
So I would say the approach is fairly similar. Like I never want to, I'm focused on relationship building, similar interests, finding out the obstacles, then it's almost like them telling you, I need your help. You want them to tell you, but you have to probe them with questions. And what are some like additional features that you would get in Sales Navigator that you would not be able to get just by? Yeah, so with Sales Navigator, you can add people that are not directly connected to you, like further connections. It's basically like it has all these filters. You can search by location. I could say New York health and wellness company. I can search the name, the position. I could say CEOs only. I could say director of marketing. So it's super targeted and it's quick. It's going to produce a list. And then you could also do like company size because maybe you only want to work with small business. Maybe you want to work with enterprise. It's fantastic. You can get a free month actually. So you could try it see if it's for you. And then you could stop if you don't want to use it. But I did that and then never stopped. Speaking of that, there's lower tiers as well, right? There's a LinkedIn career and LinkedIn premium for business. From your experience, if you're a job seeker, you're not necessarily in sales, but you're in marketing, right? Do you think upgrading to the LinkedIn premium version is better than just doing no. the LinkedIn free? No. I think it's a waste. I think the best one is Sales Navigator or nothing. Okay. Got it. Okay. So if you're going to seriously invest in LinkedIn, just go all the way with the sales navigator. Don't worry about the other tiers, right? Yeah, because I don't really see much of a difference. And my favorite part of sales navigator is like the filter. You want to find those people. I okay. don't know. What's your opinion? I haven't used a free version of LinkedIn forever. So I don't know. I know. It's hard to remember. I know. Yeah, it's hard to remember the restrictions. I think like you can't even connect with people that are third degree. I yeah. can still connect with people like third degree. Like second degree, you can connect no problem. But yeah. if you go third degree, free LinkedIn is not going to let you do that. So yeah. I do like the option of being able to okay, yeah. reach out to people that way. And because like when I create content, right, there are going to be third party connections that comment on it or like my post. Mm-hmm. So if I want to continue the conversation because they already know me, I can't connect with them because... Uh, yeah, that's the issue. Yeah, because we're a third degree connection, right? So I find that useful in terms of LinkedIn Premium. The second thing is I can see who viewed my profile and I had client Big clients. one. Yeah, because if you don't know who's like, viewing your profile, then it's hard to like nurture. I generated a few clients where they saw my LinkedIn profile. They didn't follow me or anything, but I just DM them, uh, just say, hey, I want to reach out because I think my content's valuable. And then they say, oh, actually, I was looking for a career coach. Can we hop on the call, right? So if I didn't initiate yeah. the outreach, I would yeah. have lost them as lead, right? So yeah. uh, in terms of that, I think those two things would be, for me, beneficial in terms of LinkedIn Premium is the be able to view who viewed your profile and the fact that you can connect with anybody without that third degree restriction. In mails, I don't really use in mails. Because yeah, like, that's okay. Yeah, because a lot of people that I reach out to, such as yourself, I think you already have it as like free, as in it doesn't cost me right. to message you. So yeah. And a lot of the people I get on my podcast do have LinkedIn Premium that gives them that option. So I never really had a use for emails. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you use emails yourself or do you just try to connect with them first so then you can DM them as much as you want? I think it depends. I think a lot of them already have it connected. Sometimes I have to if I really want to talk to them. Okay. Just a recap for all my listeners. So we have talked about how to improve your visibility on LinkedIn through optimization techniques on your LinkedIn profile. We talked about being a thought leader, talk about collaboration through like content such as commenting, talk about like networking outreach, both the free way and the sales navigator way. Is there any other things, Jessica, that you want to highlight in terms of LinkedIn to help people maximize their use of the platform to get the opportunities that they want? 
I would say just focus on having like a targeted strategy. So say you're job searching, focus on just spending like 20 minutes to 30 minutes a day doing that kind of outreach to recruiters or industry leaders that you want to work with. They notice and it shows that you just went the little bit extra mile to reach out to them and comment on their posts, things like that. I've landed interviews like that skill works. The other thing is not a high percentage of LinkedIn post content. Isn't it like under 10 or under five? No, I heard it was like 1%. If I yeah, it's like yeah. 1%. 1%. Okay, yeah, 1%. so it's 1%. So you need to understand that if you post content, you are standing out. It doesn't have to be every day, maybe twice a week, even start with once a week. Just start posting stuff that shows your expertise, shows you understand how your industry works in marketing or your specific skill set. And definitely don't forget about the collaboration efforts and the commenting because you can't just post on LinkedIn. It's going to get nothing for you. It's a network like it needs you to connect and it needs other people to connect. And I think if you put all those together, along with having the correct keywords for marketers in your headline, in your about section, you're putting in way more effort than someone who hasn't even touched their LinkedIn profile and just sends a resume. And the thing I want to add in terms of like the 1% of people on LinkedIn create content. In my opinion, in my experience, when a job seeker connects with me, they see my content all the time. Again, it has changed since I started. And the reason why that is, is their network doesn't post content because like, they're also just using it as a platform to optimize their profile when they're looking for a job. Mm-hmm. So again, like it's very easy to stand out because there's not a lot of noise at the moment. It might be in the mm-hmm. future. I know like, for example, like Instagram or TikTok or YouTube, like there's a very lot of noise because there's so many content creators, right? But on LinkedIn, there's not as many. So it's way easier to stand out on this platform right now. And as you've learned and experienced that it is a great platform to like help elevate whatever like business goals that you want to achieve. Which leads me to my next question for you. What made you decide to choose LinkedIn as the platform of choice to help build your own business? Because it's not noisy. That's actually one of the main reasons I like it. And the other reason is it's more educational. I I personally get annoyed with Instagram and Facebook, all these personal stories. (laughs) I like coming on to learn. And I just found that like this is the place where all the business owners are. There's millionaires on here. Like people are here to do business. People have money to pay you. You can find them. And I just think it's a serious platform where people are here to network and connect, collaborate and do business. And it's not rocket science to figure it out if you have a system. And with that being said, like, how has LinkedIn changed your life? <laughs> LinkedIn has helped me grow my business. Honestly, I've made connections across Canada, across the States. One of my goals was to always get clients in the U.S., And LinkedIn has helped me like slowly make my way there. I just started in the past year. And then like it's given me training opportunities to train companies in LinkedIn or like in content strategy, which I wouldn't have gotten if I didn't have this platform. So yeah, it's been amazing. It's really a connection tool. You need to see it as connecting and not just posting. Yeah, like for me, like I do get a mix of American clients too. So it's, it's always mm-hmm. good. And I get a few from the UK as well. So again, mm-hmm. like then as you've experienced, it's a great platform to get those like international clients that you otherwise wouldn't have if you try the other strategies. And it's virtual. Like you, you don't have to go anywhere as long as you know 
the spots to find people, you can find them virtually. It's affordable, right? I don't have to jump on a plane to a conference to go to like Miami. Yeah. I can have a call. Yeah, again, like uh, as we both know, there's a lot of opportunity on LinkedIn. I want to uh, end this conversation with one last question for you. So as you know, my podcast is about helping career professional, helping professionals overcome career challenges to help them get to the next level. So for you, Jessica, what was one big career challenge that you had to overcome to get to where you are today? I actually switched industries. So that was tricky. So this can be helpful to your guests. So I started in content marketing, SEO, realized I wanted to go more into teaching and training, but I had to totally change my LinkedIn to be more geared to teaching and training. I had to show different education. We didn't even touch on education, but you should add your certificates. So I had to add in my training certificates. And then I basically had to go after, start posting a little more about training and development and show that I do know that type of work. And also be open to accepting lower paying job in a different industry so then I could climb in a new way. So I would say, especially for people who are changing industries or maybe coming to a new country, sometimes you have to go down to go up. So that's what I did. I work with um, and speak to a lot of professionals that want to make career change. And one of the biggest fears is having to have to take that initial pay cut. But you were willing to do that. So what's your advice on that when it comes to people that want to switch fields, but they may believe that they have to take a pay cut to do it? It's hard. Well, the thing is, like, I don't have kids. So I would say if you have kids, you probably have different responsibilities and financial obligations. I would say I'm lucky in that way because I could afford it. You could potentially have a side hustle that could help you. I only had to do it for a bit and then I could change to a different position that was higher paying. Sometimes people have a spouse that can help them out. It just really depends. But you could try and have a, a secondary income that could help you. And to end it off, what's the big takeaway you want people to take away from this conversation if they want to get started on LinkedIn right now and leverage this powerful platform? Okay, so for job seekers, I'm going to go with this. Really remember that LinkedIn is an SEO tool. It means it's a search engine. So make sure you have the right keywords from the job posts in your headline, especially because the scanning tools are going to scan those. The same with the about section and sprinkle into your experience section. And then for the marketers trying to build their thought leadership, don't be afraid to get on camera. Video is really big and you're going to stand out. And don't forget about the collaboration element of LinkedIn. And when you're ready, start a newsletter because it's going to ping all your connections and you're going to build thought leadership in a new way that you didn't realize. And for people listening, I want additional help, which would be working with you. How can people reach out to you to learn more about what you do and how you can mm -hmm. help them? Yeah, so you can find me on LinkedIn, Jessica Bennett. My company is Got Writers Block. As well, you can visit www.gotwritersblock.ca and you can see all our services there, LinkedIn content, email marketing, things like that. Again, I really appreciate the time, Jessica. I always like collaborating and talking to other LinkedIn experts and enjoy the rest of your summer. Thanks, Max. You too. Take care. Thank you so much for listening. And if you found this content valuable, here's three ways I can help you achieve your career goals for free. First, subscribe to this podcast as I post two episodes a week. Number two, leave a five-star review as this helps build the credibility of the show so we can gain access to more influential people to interview and bring those lessons to you to help elevate your career. And number three, connect with me on social media. 
There's a link in the show notes for you to click on that compiles all my active social media accounts, making it easy for you to find me and connect with me. Thank you again for listening and until next time. Bye.